Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. Reflections from the Heart is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a family ministry of Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join us as we break open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for this Sunday's Mass, as we invite the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers to inspire us today. And now, here is your host with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Ruth Joka, Rob Longo. Welcome one and all. Good to be here. Awesome, awesome. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 21 through 30. But before we break open the bread of life to see how Jesus wants to speak to us today, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit in so that we can clean up our eyes, lenses, and see and hear out of our ears what God wants to speak to us today? Absolutely. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Father Son, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment. Thank you for now. Thank you for loving us and choosing us. Uh, thank you for uh, inviting us into, into this, this mission to, to bring your love to the world one person at a time. Help us to uh, be okay with interruptions in our lives, that uh, in walking in your footsteps, you were the master of interruptions, that, that people were pulling at you and yelling for you, and, uh, and you allowed yourself to be interrupted and, and did some of your greatest work. So please, Lord, help us to follow you in all ways, every day of our lives. Uh, please bless and protect those who will listen to this program. Uh, just speak to us, Lord. Speak to us and give us the courage to live the gospel. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father Son, and Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Ruth, do you mind giving us a little gospel love this morning? Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed on the third day, be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord. No such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his conduct. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. This is such a wealth of... uh, scriptural wisdom it's just amazing how how god has so much jam-packed in here i love in the beginning jesus began to show his disciples you know jesus wants to show us each and every day of our lives and and in that showing we just be open to see and to hear and to live this abundant life that jesus paid the ultimate price for he gave his life for each of us so that we can have this life and have it in abundance and the sentence goes on and he's sharing about going to jerusalem and suffer greatly and, you know, he's going to suffer greatly from the people who knew the scriptures, the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. 
They could quote the scriptures better than anybody. They knew them in their heads. They had read them over and over and over again. And yet they're the ones that were going to kill Jesus. And so for me, I need to make sure that in consuming the word of God, that it doesn't just go into my head because head knowledge of the Lord is not, is not the answer. It's got to go into my heart. Create in me a new mind, O oh Lord, and create in me a new heart that I may have the heart of Christ because, man, I don't ever want to be an obstacle to the Lord Jesus in his work here on this earth. I want to be obedient as he was. He must go. Why, why, why that? Because he wanted to do the will of the Father. Mm. His whole mission here on earth, just like yours and mine, is to do the will of the Father. When we get that relationship with the Father, in through and with Jesus Christ, it changes our outlook on everything. Mm-hmm. And we are called to be children because unless we come like children, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. So when we get that relationship as precious sons and daughters of the Father, and then we say to the Father, Father, what would you like me to do today? Father, come along fishing with me. Father, come along hunting with me. Father, let's take a walk. And then we truly listen to the still quiet voice in our heart, oh my goodness, your life becomes a great adventure. Hey, you, you pointed out, David, must. Uh, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. It doesn't stop there. So not only did he, did he must go to Jerusalem to suffer greatly, right? So if we, and then down here it says we have to follow Jesus, right? Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow, follow. So if we are claiming to be Christian, followers of Jesus Christ, what is our Jerusalem in our life? Where must we go and suffer greatly? Because it's in the suffering in the Good Friday that we had Easter Sunday. And in our lives, whatever our Jerusalem moments are, where you might be going through a Jerusalem moment right now in your life, you know, that's, I think that's the, the common denominator, no matter how old, how young, how rich, how poor, that's gonna be our connection with people. We might not be able to relate on a lot of things in our lives, but we can relate on suffering. And uh, I think the Lord is just saying, you know, by following me, you will suffer, uh, but you don't, you're not going to suffer alone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with you, and you have a community of people that, that, that are there that have suffered as well. And the evil one wants us to think that we're isolated in our suffering, that we're the only ones going through something, and just kind of keep it to ourselves. He does not want us to offer it to Jesus, unite it with his. He does not want us to open up to people and, and share some stuff that's going on because when we do that, then other people open up with theirs and they get out of their isolation and we connect with each other, with our suffering, and then together offer that to the Lord. That's, that's game over. You know, that's, that's game over. So in, in this following Jesus, let's, uh, let's be prepared, not that we want to try to figure out what kind of suffering we're going to go through, but just be prepared that suffering is part of it, uh, not to get, you know, uh, you know, put off course because of it. It's just part of it. You know, it's not God not, you know, liking us anymore, or loving us anymore. Uh, it is just part of uh, our own Easter Sunday that we have to go through Good Friday, suffering. Yeah, that's an interesting thought, you know, that, that suffering you know, he says, get behind me, Satan, because Satan would like to distort and, and turn you away from God, away from this. And, you know, who would want to take up a cross that's so horrifying and shocking? And yet he's saying, you must take up your cross 
And not just individually, but as you said, all of us are taking up our crosses because we're through that cross, God is transforming us into his holy will, away from our own will that, that points only inward and to the will that he has for us, which is pointing outward in love to you know, the world. And um, But we could be tempted to think, well, it's just me going through my suffering. And we're all, as a body of Christ, carrying these crosses. It's a beautiful gift because it's actually transforming every single one of us. And God's will for each of us is to be formed more perfectly into the image and likeness of his son, Jesus. You know, we're part of his body. And so it's through this suffering that God is then forming us, purging from us anything that's not of his beloved son, Jesus Christ, and perfecting in us anything that is. Because at the end of the day, we're called to be perfect, like the Father's perfect, holy, like the Father's mm-hmm. holy, and that is impossible for a human being. But as he continues this purgation process, this purging within us, that which is not of Christ, and the perfecting in us that which is of Christ, we become Christ in the world in our uniqueness. And that's really the journey. Then it's no longer me that lives, it's Christ that lives in me. And that's where he says, you know, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it because whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Well, if I want to try and save my life, I'll buy stuff to be happy. I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll play God. But if I give my life to the Father, and say, form me into the image and likeness of your son. When I lose the earthly life, the flesh in me, he then lets me find the beauty of the spiritual life of Jesus Christ who desires to live in me, with me, and through me. That's the aha moment when you realize, whoa, I'm in a divine intimacy with the Father through Jesus Christ. Whoa, I'm his beloved, precious son. Whoa, he created me to be a world changer. I'm linked with Christ. Mm. Man, that's it. When you get that, every day of your life is a great adventure. And if for those of you who are listening, if you are part of our uh, uh, recipient list of, uh, of uh, folks that receive our newsletter, just look into last week's uh, inbox. Uh, we sent an amazing gift. And if you don't get our newsletter, go onto our website, stewardshipmission.org, and sign up. Uh, because, David, as you're saying, like claim our identity basically is what you're saying. We have a spiritual director, uh, Father or Monsignor Esif, and uh, his dear friend, Sister Cor, who we've been blessed for the last 10 years. They would give us private retreats every year as a ministry team. And the last two years, we've had our private retreat followed by a conference. So this year, we're not having the conference, uh, but we sent out a gift to everyone, which is, uh, which is one of these private retreats that has never been uh, heard outside of our team. And uh, I was re-listening to that. And David, you and I were talking about that, how we just need to be reminded, you know, you and I were there for the retreat, but listening to that again, it's like I'm hearing it for the first time that we constantly need to be reminded that we are Jesus. And that's my senior essence. We've been trying to get that, you know, through our thick skulls for the last 10 years, do you believe that you are Jesus? Right? When the Father looks at you, he sees Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we have to claim our identity. And what did Jesus do? When he went up the mountain to pray, he wasn't talking to himself, right? He was communing with the Father. Um, so, yeah, go to the Father. Go to the Father. 
And that realization that we are in our uniqueness, Christ in the world, is also the realization that we don't do anything. We don't do the works of love. It's Jesus Christ who chooses to do them in us, with us, and through us. And what does Jesus always do? Give credit to the Father. Thank you, Father, for using me to bless this person. He always looked up to heaven. That's our calling. When you live a life with a heart of gratitude, realizing that the Lord Jesus Christ is living in you, with you, and through you. And he's doing all these works of love, choosing you, yoked with you for the mission of the Father. Your co-mission joined with him on his mission. Oh my goodness, it makes your life beyond exciting. You're being used by God, the Father, in the salvation of souls. This is off the charts. When you get that and realize it, that it's Jesus Christ working through our uniqueness, who's doing all good things through us, with us, and in us. And then we acknowledge the Father as the giver of the gift. Oh, my goodness, you got it. You're on the path. Keep doing it. Well, and you change the focus. You know, the focus of the world, check all the boxes, all the boxes, your job, your salary, where you live, your position, where you go, all those boxes that the world would say are important. You change that view. Now it's not you driving yourself to fill those boxes, which in the end doesn't give you joy, doesn't give you happiness. Um, you've, you've only turned yourself in and you've gotten nowhere. You change that view. Now you're not just checking boxes. You're saying, God, what do you want me to do today? Mm. What, what's your plan for me? You're not checking your box. You're checking his box. He's actually guiding you in the way that he wants you to work. And, you know, and then even when these things are cross, and for the world's eyes, they'd say, well, that's really not very fun. That's really difficult. Mm. That would be really hard to do. Why would you want to do that? And God turns it around and makes it all joy. And you, you, you do his will. You you complete that, and it's full of joy. Yes. And by the world's eyes, it shouldn't be. You get what money can't buy. You, joy. Absolutely. Because you can go try and find happiness. Good luck. Mm. It's fleeting. It's short-lived. And you got to keep getting that fix. But when you get the gift from God, which only he can give and money can't buy, joy, wow, mm. there's no better reward in all the world. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, but when, when you cease expecting, you have all things. So the moment we, through God's grace, when we stop expecting anyone or anything mm-hmm. to be the, the cause of our happiness, when we just completely surrender that, then we have all things. Then if God chooses to bless us with a relationship, with a place to live, with a good meal, whatever, you know, to see a sunset, a sunrise, whatever God chooses to, to bless us with, it's all him. It's all a gift. And that gift is to experience what only he can give, the world can't give, the world can't take it away. And that's the true joy. So the moment that we realize even our closest relationships with people, you cannot make me happy and I can't make you happy. You know, that's like, that's, that's such a relief. Mm-hmm. It takes the pressure off. You know, we're, we're not the end, you know, we're, here to journey together to the Father who is the cause and the, and the giver of, of that gift of joy and faith and hope and love. But we can't, we can't be it for, nope. for each other. And you know what? Peter here, he decided he was it because a few, few verses earlier, Jesus says, a boy, Peter, the Father revealed it to you. 
you acknowledge, I'm the Christ, I'm Emmanuel, God with us. So Peter gets the keys of the kingdom. He's feeling pretty good. In fact, in these passages, he takes God by the shoulder and says, let me tell you something, because here's what he says. Then Peter, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Now, excuse me, can you imagine taking God and rebuking him? <laughs> and then he says, God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. And this is what's amazing. Spiritual pride took hold of Peter, and he elevated himself above Jesus Christ, who he acknowledged was the Messiah, God with us, Emmanuel. And so that spiritual pride, which is one of the most deadliest of sins, got a hold of him. But Jesus didn't condemn him. He recognized the fact that the enemy, Satan, had slipped in because Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He doesn't, he doesn't beat up Peter. He doesn't say, you know, you're a fool, you're an idiot. He recognizes that even Peter, just like any one of us, are susceptible to spiritual pride and other things for the enemy to use us to distract others from their mission from God, for God. So for me, I got to realize, I got to look past that person, that precious son and daughter, and realize that Satan has gotten involved and is using that person to distract me from God's mission or whatever that, that situation may be. But I love the way Jesus identifies it. Get behind me, Satan. He doesn't beat up Peter. He doesn't mock him. Get behind me, Satan. You're an obstacle to me. And Satan always, always wants to be an obstacle to the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ who wants to do these missions through you. So again, don't let spiritual pride creep in because it will take you down. Yeah. I just had an experience this past week with w one of our kids, probably the most sensitive of, uh, of our five, and um, we were doing something and, and I ended up getting hurt a little bit. And, and this child thought it was their fault. And just the look on their face, uh, just everything changed. And then with, uh, with their head down, they said, I'm such a disappointment. And I remember looking, I said, no. I said, look at me. I said, and I, and I, I kind of did the flick with my, my finger off of his shoulder. I said, look, that's the, that's the evil one whispering that in your ear. I said, come on, let's flick him off. You are not a disappointment. You're a child of God. I love you so much. I got hurt. It's an accident. We're, we're messing around, right? But you are not a disappointment. Right. Well, and, and that's for ourselves, you know, that's that we are under temptation constantly because we're doing the will of the Father. So, we're, you know, we're fair game. And there are times where we stumble and mm -hmm. fall. And we have to be able to say to ourselves, get behind me, Satan. And with a repentant heart, we turn back mm -hmm. to God because, you know, nothing is impossible for God to forgive. But we've got to have true, true repentance and turn back. You know, and because to hold on to that, what profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Nothing is worth forfeiting your life with God. Um, we turn back to him. There's a story of a, I might share this years ago, of a, of a pharmacist who just had a conversion and realized that some of the things that he was selling in his pharmacy went against, you know, God's will and didn't honor God. So he stopped selling certain things. Um, and although the you know other congregations might not have believed 
or, or agreed with what he or the you know the reason he was doing it they they appreciated the fact that he was doing it you know to honor god or, or because it, it just crossed his conscience uh and they got their congregations to support this this man he said you know this this guy is doing something really honorable let's let's support him so here where if he let the prophets drive his decision uh and, and kept going you know who knows what would have happened but by doing what he did god blessed him to the point where he got so much business he had to open up another store wow. right so and he, and he pointed to this he said you know what profit is there mm-hmm. to you know gain everything and lose your you, you know lose your soul lose your life lose your eternal uh, place in god's glory so uh you know that was the that was the verse that uh, prompted him to stop selling certain things that that went against God's plan. Yeah, and that's beautiful, Rob. Because again, so many people don't focus on heaven as the ultimate goal. Mm. They're so focused on worldly gain, as you were pointing out, Ruth. Their title, their car, their home, their family, whatever. But do you realize that you're forfeiting your eternal spiritual life? I think that's a real checkpoint for each of us. Scripture tells us to always put heaven first, focus on heaven first and foremost, and then God will open the floodgates for everything that you need. So always, we do what we do for the audience of one, the Father. We do what we do for the audience of one, the Father, in everything we do, how we approach every situation. And 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 I... I and this is an important thing for us. So Peter, he gets the praise from the Lord in a few verses before this, pat on the back, given the keys of the kingdom, whatever you're bound or bind, whatever you're loosed or loose. I mean, this guy's got to be on a spiritual high. But you see, Peter was just growing. He was, he was young in his, in his leadership role. So Jesus wanted to teach him something. Because you see, Peter didn't ask Jesus, what do you think I should do? That's what a great leader would do. What he decided to do was what he thought was right, and he would lead Jesus. You see, a great leader always asks questions. A good leader, he gives answers. But a great leader, he asks questions. So my counsel to each and every one of of the listeners out there, stop, drop, and ask the Father, what would you like me to do today, Father? How would you like me to answer this question? Is this your will for my life for this to happen? And surrendering our life to the will of the Father gives us the spiritual life that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for with the gift of his life. So for me, too many times I've gotten in the middle. I've played God, and the Lord's like, hello, David, would you please get out of the middle? If you don't get out of the middle, I'm not going to go get your free will. But as long as you want to play God out there in the middle, I'll let you. But you know what? I can do it a whole lot better than you if you step aside. And it wasn't until I let go and stepped aside, and then watched God work. And I can tell you story after story after story. It wasn't until I fully surrendered it to God. Because as long as I held on to it. You know, you hear the story of the man with a the, with the, with the, with the handful of sand. The only thing he's holding on to, getting into heaven. He can't get in. So he lets go to hand full of sand. Then when he gets into heaven, there's the whole beach. <laughs> because he had to let go what he was playing God's control over and entrust God with everything. Otherwise, he was playing the role of God. And I've done it. 
And again, I'm a knucklehead, and that's God's pet term endearment for me. <laughs> and I'm a work in progress. But you know what? The more I grow, the closer I get to the Lord, the more he reveals, the more I want him to continue the work he's begun in me. Because my whole desire of my heart in my life is to do the will of the Father. And I don't do it to get something. I do it because it brings the Father joy. He's doing something with his son. And I love it. And he gives us the gifts of the Spirit and the joy and all, all compensation, all, all raining down. And then the end, or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his conduct. How beautiful. And when on the side of the word conduct, I work, wrote down works of love. Because, you know what, we can give all the lip service we want. Oh, I believe in Jesus Christ, I this, I that. But it's all about this, deny yourself, live a life that's other-centered. You know, pick up my cross. What's my cross today? Do I got to go the extra mile for my child, for my wife, for my friend? What do I have to do? And how many times am I like, eh, you know what, I really don't want to get up today and do that. And miss the opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else. So these works of love, which God has chosen, the Father has chosen in advance for us, I want to be all in. I want to do them every day of my life. Use me, Lord, that I can breathe life, be a vessel to breathe life into those souls that need it that you bring into my life every day, every day. But it really takes our full surrender, our letting go of that last handful of sand, letting go and letting God. Because I guarantee you, he can do it better than us. And that that letting go is uh, is sometimes difficult. because we think that we're doing it for someone else. That's why on the back of our prayer book, we have, uh, you know, we, we used to have side by side, you know, the, the virtuous cycle and the vicious cycle. So the virtuous cycle is God in the center, knowing and loving and serving him. The vicious cycle is me in the center or self mm-hmm. in the center. Um, so, you know, when we're God centered, the works of love, he's going to point us to others, you know? Like, so like you're saying, Dave, you know, the, the, the conduct is that there's works of love that we're called to, but we first need to go to the Father, be completely, completely docile to Him, and then He will send us to the others in our lives to serve them, uh, not to try to control the outcome. Let, let Him do that. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, we're all called in our uniqueness to be Jesus Christ in the world. God created us in His image and likeness to be world changers. So in, with, and through Jesus Christ, Let's get into that relationship with the Father as precious sons and daughters and change this world. It starts with you. Be all in. God bless. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, please consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For more information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, and to learn about all of the family of ministries, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. 
If you've enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a tax-deductible donation by visiting stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of all of us at Stewardship, a mission of faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.